Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is Rum Buncher Radio, Draft Breakdown, episode number two. Marty Leap, Nick Caparoso, Trey Anity with you. We talked about the first round. Pirates number one overall pick and the following picks after that and a crazy first round. And while we recorded that episode, some other picks still had to be made. That round finished up an interesting board there. And then day two came along. Gentlemen, before we get into this episode, how are you doing tonight? An exciting uh, you know, night of baseball to talk about. We got the All-Star game going on. We had the home run derby last night. But yesterday, as we record here on Tuesday night, was a big day for the Pittsburgh Pirates. And, you know, it really became that way after what happened on day one. But Marty, Nick, how are you guys doing? Good. I uh, little allergies hitting in. Was out on the golf course earlier. Then all of a sudden, these thunderstorms blew in, and just they kept coming. So we took a rain check. Unfortunate. It's playing best round I've played in a while uh, with my old set of clubs, my my new sets in my buddy's car. And uh, you know, I think it just you know back to basics. You know what I mean? It got me back to basics, and I'm I'm hitting a ball better than ever. I feel like Adam Frazier you know, in the tee box, like, I'm. Um, it's disappointing that, there, you know, it rained on my parade today, that's for sure, but other than that, like you said yesterday, great day, exciting day, very happy, um, looking forward to breaking it down here with you guys. Yeah, absolutely, I feel you, <clears throat> I mean, my day, thankfully, the rain didn't disrupt me from playing the best round of golf I've played in a while, but um, no, you know, <laughs> yeah, good day, back home, um, had a little bit of a, a weekend excursion. Checked out Miller Park Friday night, so Target Field on Saturday. Checked out uh, the Brewers High A affiliate on Sunday afternoon. The buddy of mine lives in Wisconsin, so it was it's good to get a weekend of baseball under your belt. But I'm ready to be back, and you know it's it's hell hell of a time to be a Pittsburgh Pirates fan right now after yesterday. Oh, it really is, and we missed you, Marty. Hope it was a, a fun trip up there. It looked like a lot of fun. Uh, broke it down on Sunday while you were away, and Nick. Sorry about the golf, man. I know that's never easy when you're having a good. We'll day. get back at it. You know. Yeah. No, whatever. You got the rest of the week to do so. Uh, but yesterday, yeah, no, yeah, the rest of the summer, even into the fall. I know Pennsylvania gets colder up there a little bit earlier, but maybe the grass will stay all right for you. It's about your commitment. You can go in December. Yeah, that's, that's when the, gol- the real golfers become champions. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> from the boys. Yeah, you earn it in the off season. Pirates trying to earn it right now during the season. Obviously, the draft is, you know, something we've been talking about a lot, something we anticipated going a little bit maybe differently in the first round. Henry Davis wasn't necessarily the name we were thinking of. But, you know, as we learn more about that pick and what they were able to do with that pick as far as money goes and everything else, it really looked like a great pick for the Pirates. So, Marty, we missed you, uh, obviously, on Sunday there. Throughout this draft, I want your overall thoughts on that first round before we really get into this 37th pick. The second round and, you know, kind of how the beginning of day two went from both of you guys. Yeah, I mean, honestly, at first, I didn't love the Henry Davis pick. I was all aboard the Marcelo Meyer train. I still think Marcelo Meyer was the best player in this draft. That said, with what the Pirates have since done, drafting Davis makes all the sense in the world. I mean, you drafted a kid who was probably the best college batman or athlete, let's be honest. He's going to climb quickly through your minor league system, even start as a catcher, and could be a, an impact bat for you by 2023. 
And also because he's an underslot guy that allowed Ben Charrington to draft Anthony Salamedo, allowed him to draft Lonnie White Jr., allowed him to draft Bubba Chandler. And, you know, even to an extent, allowed him to go get Braylon Bishop on, on Wednesday in day three. So, I mean, you look by adding Davis to Pirates, able to draft four of the top 28 prospects in the draft, five of the top 100. And, you know, like Nick said, we could look back on this as one of the most monumental drafts in the history of this franchise. I don't think it's a stretch to say the Pirates had the best draft of any team in Major League Baseball this year. And when you combined – I mean, if you don't believe us, just go to any – Yeah, go to MLB Pipeline, go – go Baseball America, go to MLB Network, go to – yeah. It's yeah, not I know a, there's going to be plenty of people There's going to be plenty of people saying we're just blowing smoke up their ass. You know, Pirates, Homer, this and that. Like Nick said, go look at any publication you want. The Pirates got four of the top 25 to 30 prospects, five of the top 100. This isn't, this isn't us trying to justify Neil Huntington's thinking. This is yeah. legit. <laughs> and the thing is, too, this is going off a general manager who has built multiple World Series winning teams. Ben Charrington knows what he's doing. And when you combine this draft with what they're probably going to get for Adam Frazier and other guys – Come August 1st, Ben Charrington has taken dead aim on having the number one farm system in baseball come August 1st. It is a real possibility that by the end of this month, the Pittsburgh Pirates have the top farm system in baseball. You combine that with your Brian Hayes, Brian Reynolds, some of these other young building blocks they have. And, you know, I know people are going to, well, show me when they get to the majors. I understand that to an extent, but, man, you give this another two to three years and things are going to get a lot of fun in Pittsburgh with this baseball team. It's just so strategic. And Nick, you know, we talked about it on Sunday. You brought it up a minute ago. Um, you know what I said on Sunday and I, I get a little bit more what you're saying now. It's something Pirates fans don't want to hear, but day two was more important than the number one overall pick day one. It just was. And that became possible with what they did. Like you said, Marty, four guys, uh, you know, that any team would, would love to have and, you know, feel like they had the best draft with. It's not just us saying that. Go look at the, you know, the information that was out there before the draft and see what they were saying about these players. It's undeniable. And, you know, we're going to talk about a guy in Bubba Chandler that probably could have gone mid to early first round, perhaps. You know, Lonnie White, a kid that, um, you know, is another two-sport athlete that maybe would have had his stock rise a little bit if he wasn't committed to play football somewhere. But before we get to those two, let's talk about Anthony Solomato, the number 37 overall pick, the first pick of the second round on Monday. You guys' thoughts on Solomato, how soon he can get up, the the weird leg kick, everything else. It's a really interesting player and one that got us really excited. Yeah, uh, I'll go with that. Um, Solomato, he was someone I mentioned on the preview for day two. Um you know, the, the big thing was I heard that our assistant GM, Joe Delacari, was there. Uh, oftentimes when the higher-ranking officials in the front office are seen, you know, that's pretty telling um, that they're not just interested but highly interested. So it kind of made sense. Um, knowing the Pirates were going to have a big bonus, I thought that all along he could have been the target at th- – 37, obviously, you know, seeing how the draft board developed and everything, you never know. But, you know, as we've learned uh, over the last few years talking to people, and I think just in general, this has been put out there more and more. A lot of these deals are worked uh, beforehand. 
So the Pirates took Henry Davis day one, and they probably are a new Anthony Salamento. He, you can tell, watched a video of when he gets drafted. He knew he was getting drafted by the Pirates first day two, you know, and pretty much it, he has sh- shown every sign that he is signing with the club. Uh, you know, it's just a matter of putting ink to paper at this point. So now about the player, uh, super excited. Like you said, big uh, projectable six foot five um, left-hander, you know, you don't find lefties of that size who also have a fastball that right now sits like 92 to 95 uh, from the left side, which is fantastic, especially as a starter. But, you know, there's projections that he can get that up, you know, closer to maybe 95 to 97 range. Um, obviously, six foot five, he has the frame to do so. Like you said, the, the one thing is his mechanics are a little quirky, but you know, every, by all accounts, that's, that's part of who he is. And those are quirky mechanics that work for him. Uh, They're, they're sound for how he uses them. And it's part of uh, his effectiveness as a pitcher. We know just looking around the league, I mean, just look at Tyler Anderson. He has a little bit of a funky delivery. You see it from the left-handers, Kershaw. And of course the guy that we've compared him to, because so have many others, uh, Matt, Mad Bum, right? What I do see in Salamedo, though, is I think he's more athletic than Mad Bum. I definitely think he has uh, more athleticism. But in terms of the pitching, you know, the plus breaking pitch from the left side, along with the the power fastball, very excited. Um, quickly already is our our top left hand pitching prospect in the system. Uh, I would I would imagine that he jumps in front of Omar Cruz, who has had a very nice season in Double A. Nothing against him. We just this is something we didn't see the last regime really do. They didn't invest in left-handed pitching. It never really made sense because PNC Park is built for left-handed pitching. So if this guy can really uh, develop like they foresee, uh, you're looking at top of the rotation type arm. Um, in a, in a very good ballpark for it. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, he was excited. I think that's one thing that, that really got everybody else excited as well. Our staff writer, Vincent Spalloni, had the chance to sit down with him not too long after that pick. And, you know, he, he told us that right after they, uh, you know, got done with their conversation, he ended it with, let's go win a World Series, um, you know, in all caps. And we saw that on Twitter and the social media as well. That was exciting. It just to see. seems like he, he fits – not just the player mold, but the personality mold too. Exactly. Like, yeah, let's go win a World Series. Like, Ben Charrington is bent on creating a positive culture here, something that, to what we understand, wasn't here before, that it was a very high-pressure, high-stress, negative culture. Um, I'm sure there's positives too. It's not like, you know, they had a bunch of jerk, jerks walk, walking around in the organization, but – you know what I'm saying? It's it's the vibe that we've been hearing from these prospects saying that it's just upbeat, it's it's success, it's positive, and by all accounts, all these guys they drafted check check those boxes as well. Oh, yeah, just low stress on the players. I think is the biggest thing that we've heard. And you know, this is a, another one of those players that I think fits the the characteristic of this brand and the rebuild and everything else. And the number sixty four overall pick is another one of those guys. We had a few names. On the board, uh, you know, that we were looking at. And as the draft it's continues crazy to go because, on. 
you said it earlier. If we would have got one or maybe two of these guys, like like who we come with next, Lonnie, like he was one of those guys that we were like, okay, he could be the target for day two. Not not one of the targets, you know. Exactly. You know, there was separate and Bubba Chandler was on the board at this point too. And you know, we were having this conversation in a group message. Is this when you go ahead and maybe take a Bubba Chandler? We didn't think he would have any chance of still being around with that third round pick. This was the comp pick, number 64. They got Lonnie White Jr. Like you said, Nick, one of those guys that we were excited about. Marty, I know you you have some background here on Lonnie White, and I'm sorry, I you know have to apologize uh about your football team. You, yeah, you guys kind of cursed it on the draft preview show, I feel like talking about it but yeah yeah it's you know it's it's a one less player for the Nittany Lions there on defense but one more for the Pirates organization the one that we're really excited about give us the rundown on him Marty and you know tell us about what he's going to add to this organization no I mean Lonnie White's a guy who I mean for the for those of you I think a lot of people out there listening to the show regularly decide no but I also cover Penn State football and Penn State athletics for Black Shoe Diaries part of SB Nation so you know obviously Penn State recruiting is something I follow pretty closely and Lonnie White you know, top, top 100 football prospect who was committed and signed with the Lions. Um, it, all signs point towards he's going to sign with the Pirates. Um, I Back in the early to mid-spring, he really started to blow up on draft boards. He went down to Florida and played in some showcase leagues and just he flashed everything. He went out of an outfielder. Good speed, a strong arm. He's hitting for power, getting on base a ton. There are a few things Lonnie White Jr. does not do well in a baseball field. Um, again, he's a guy, if not for that football commitment and for throughout it, he always said the right things that you want to hear as a football staff if you're trying to keep him in the fold. And I think that football commitment probably scared some teams away from him not going sooner. There's no doubt about it. He's a, he's a first-round talent, and the Pirates probably, you know, got a little bit of a steal with getting Lonnie White Jr. at number 64. Like I said, he, he's an outfielder who's going to do it all in the field. I would expect him to very quickly become one of the probably top 10 prospects in the organization, be a guy a year or two down the road, could be knocking on the door of a top 100 prospect in baseball. And it's just, it's a great addition to the organization. I just, no matter where you looked, you know, fan graphs, baseball America, MLB pipeline, perfect game. All of them had him as a top 50 or so prospect in the draft and just more excellent work by Charrington to be able to take that big bonus pool of money he has and be able to to put it towards a guy like White. And, you know, one other thing I think with White that probably helped the Pirates was with him being an in-state kid. Um, he plays from – goes to Melbourne Prep, which out in the eastern part of the state. Is that where Marvin Harrison Jr.'s kid Mar- – No, Marvin Harrison Jr. went to St. Joe's in Philly. Uh, okay, okay. But with being a Melbourne Prep guy, you know, even last year when scouting was pretty limited because of COVID, he's probably some of the Pirates are a little bit more familiar with because in-state guys obviously are always going to be easier to, to, to scout. So that may have been a factor as well. But, yeah, I mean, with White, like I said, the Pirates are getting a kid who has who projects as a plus defensive outfielder who could have plus power and a plus hitting tool. So, again, you're looking at a guy who's probably a future top 10 prospect in the organization, maybe a year or two down the road, a top 100 prospect in baseball. My question for you, Marty, is what position was he supposed to play at Penn State? Wide receiver. Wide receiver, man. Right. I had it all. I thought he was a defensive back then. I thought he was a linebacker. Uh, I he was a too. He, yeah. he was signed. To play, he played quarterback in high school and then moved to receiver last season. Um, I'm pulling up here in front of me. The news pretty yet. Uh, 247 Sports had him as the number 10 receiver in the country and number 73 overall player in the country. So, like, he, he it's not just 
and very similar to Bubba Chandler, who we'll get into here shortly. It's not just that Lonnie White was a two-sport athlete in high school. Excuse me. He was a borderline elite baseball player and elite football player. So he's got a lot of athletic tools to work with. Yeah, I mean, that's for sure. And, you know, you, you did a great job talking about Lonnie there. And, you know, the one thing I want to add is this once again is the type of player that Ben Charrington's looking for. He, like you said, dual sport athlete, but highly athletic, like highly successful, has won a lot in his career, has had a lot of success in his career also. But the biggest thing is he's looking for athletes, not, yes, because they have that raw power and ability and all that, but it's it's the adjustments that the game calls for today. It You get a more athletic player, they're able to make those adjustments and stay healthier doing it a lot easier. And a guy like Lonnie White, obviously, um, you know, he, playing football, playing baseball at a high level, you're very excited about, about that potential. Yeah. Really exciting pick. And, you know, that is the way baseball is going. They can make a great point. It's that modern style player is more athletic, is, you know, able to do a little bit more. Is, um, you know, the kind of guy, especially for this rebuild, for the brand of this rebuild that Ben Charrington's looking for. It's kind of like Tampa. Just get a lot of depth, get a lot of athletic guys. Depth was obviously the uh, the strategy here. And as we got into the third round, we realized this, uh, this uh, draft class has a lot of depth to him. Bubba Chandler was still on the board. We were shocked at this point, honestly, and uh, we were pretty pretty dang excited when we saw that name come across there. Uh, you guys' thoughts on this, what he's capable of? Obviously, he was one of the Clemson commits. Um, I believe he was the quarterback, right, or was he supposed Correct. to play defense, DB yeah, for them? He was the quarterback commit at Clemson. He was, he was the quarterback, yeah. Yep. Uh, you know, another super athletic kid, um, one that could play in the field potentially, drafted as a pitcher, and that's, you know, probably the, the course of action for Chandler. But, um, you know, this was an absolute steal can't emphasize that enough. And, you know, looking back to that first round, this is not possible without Henry Davis. You guys, uh, initial reaction to that. Whenever I saw that the Pirates, actually, I had just landed back at the Johnstown Airport, got back home, got off the plane, and saw they drafted Bubba Chandler. And my first thought was if they sign him, and he has since come out and said he's going to sign, this could be the biggest deal of the entire draft, not just for the Pirates, but for any team. I mean, Chandler was a legitimate top 15 to 20 prospect. Uh, he, he's a guy who was right there in the conversation as the top prep pitcher in the yep. draft. There wasn't a standout prep guy. Jackson Job even got criticized a little going three. A little high. Yeah, I mean, personally, I thought Job did go a little high. Yeah, he, he was a guy we talked about it before we came on the air tonight. We said, you know, had he spent the spring kind of focusing on baseball – and not with and didn't have the football commitment to Clemson, Chandler legitimately probably could have made a push for one one in this draft. And the Pirates got him in the third round, which is just incredible. And like I said, he he said he's going to sign. So this is just I mean he's a guy who you, you're going to see shoot up prospect boards and fast. Um, Nick, I know you're going to kind of get into more of his makeup as a pitcher, but the guy's got the stuff to be that absolute elite top of the lineup shutdown starting pitcher. Yeah, I mean, he's, once again, dual sport athlete, checking those boxes, whether it's a fielder or on the mound. Um, we see that preference. Um, just very projectable. You know, he's six foot three, six foot four, depending. You know, so I'm going to assume he's somewhere in between. 
uh, highly athletic build. Um, you know, not like he's a, a statue quarterback pitcher, right? Like he's very, very athletic. So what you like about him though is as a pitcher, he, he possesses what they're saying is two 70 grade pitches already, a 70 grade fastball and a 70 grade curveball. Um, the fastball is said to reach up 97, 98, sits around 95. Uh, the curveball, uh, they're saying is, you know, upper 70s, but just has very good spin and is really a punt, you know, a strikeout pitch for him. Uh, they, do report he throws a slider that he can get into mid eighties. Um, he uses it less often as curve thinking high school wise, you know, if you have more confidence in your curve ball, you're probably just going to throw that when you're, you know, blowing people away like he is. So I would look to see the pirates start developing that slider. It seems like that's something they've been doing with all their young pitchers. Um, Quinn Priester has started throwing one. Uh, he recently said, so, I think we'll see him throwing that, and that obviously has, with his arm uh, strength and him spinning the curveball the way he does, that slider definitely has potential to be another plus pitch. And if that becomes a plus pitch for him, then, right, like you said, Murray, you're, we're starting to talk about an absolute steal, uh, a guy who could quickly become one of the top pitching prospects in the Pirates system, no doubt. Already he will be, but overall in baseball. It was just – it was honestly shocking to see that there was not just him but so many players that we didn't expect to still be around around at that point in the draft. And as you know, we kind of reflect back on the, the Pirates' first three picks from day two. How is that possible? You know, why was this draft so different where guys like Bubba Chandler were able to stay on the board that long? And, you know, Ben Sherrington obviously had a very strategic plan. It was going to take the best available and was probably going to get a lot of value after that first overall pick. But, you know, what really – led to this, you know, Chandler still being around, Lonnie White still being available, all these guys late into uh, day number two. Yeah, I mean, it's it's what we said all along. It was all about what they did with um, day number one. And day number one was taking Henry Davis, who people's initial reaction was, oh, you know, they sh- took the cheaper player. Duh, duh, duh. And you're right, they did take the cheaper player. But as I said, it was – probably equivalent to what they had for mayor Jack Leiter, maybe Jordan Lawler, right? Like we said, they were probably on the conversation and Henry Davis, who by all accounts is the best college hitter in the draft. Definitely overall, when you're including power, uh, the fact that they're going to stick with him at catcher, I mean, makes it a really nice pick out one versus taking Marcelo Mayer, who, by all accounts, could be a really good player, but would it cost more money? You still maybe would have saved some, but not as much as it seems like they're going to save with Davis. And you have a lot more bust risk there, right? Like you're looking at a high school shortstop. It's not like every high school shortstop who's been drafted in the top 10 works out. We know that doesn't happen. So instead, you turn that around and I, I like can't even really talk about because you turn it around and like you said, you get – you get all these first round talents later in the draft. And, you know, it all starts with Davis. And if that, I'm very intrigued to see what that number is going to be. Uh, because if he took the discount, I'm thinking he took, he really did the Pirates a solid and must be on board with what this team's trying to do 
and be also excited to get some of this other potential in there with him. Um, but beyond that, it's what we discussed. It's the behind the scene phone calls. It's the negotiating beforehand. It's Bubba Chandler knowing that the Pittsburgh Pirates are going to be able to get him X amount of dollars if he tells other teams no until pick you know, 72. And that's probably what happened. I'm sure other teams called him and said, Hey, what's your asking price? And he probably said, my asking price is this. I have a team that told me they can get me this. So unless you can meet that, no go. And, you know, teams that didn't have the the draft pool that the pirates had, you know, they can't sacrifice um, as much as, you know, I shouldn't say sacrifice. They can't overspend on their picks as much as the pirates were able to. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's what we've emphasized and overemphasized, but I don't, I don't think you can do it enough because people, the narrative was always going to be, well, this was the cheap route to take Davis, but you look back at these first four picks and, you know, you just feel like you're on top of the world. If you're a pirates fan, it was Kellington, Owen Kellington, the next pick, Mike Jarvis, the shortstop after that. Let's talk about the rest of rounds five through 10, the rest of day two, what do you guys like the best about it? And who are some surprises along the rest of the way there? I mean, I think honestly, if you look at a lot of the rest of the day too, a lot of that were guys who Ben Charrington drafted knowing they would have very little leverage and he could sign for well blown under slot to save money for Solomito, Lonnie White and uh, Bubba Chandler. But at the same time, you know, I think there's some talent there to be had. Um, Owen Kellington's a guy I like a lot. Um, I think he could really turn into a projectable pitcher down the road and be a solid middle to the back of the end rotation arm for you. But I do think the biggest thing that Ben Charrington looked to do with those picks is to sign guys. I mean, there was, I think I could be wrong, but I believe two of them were fourth year seniors out of college. At that point, you you have to sign essentially. And I think that's why Charrington went the route he did. Now that's not a slight on those guys. Um, I mean, obviously, if the Pirates didn't think they were capable of turning into big league players, they wouldn't have drafted them. But I think that was the biggest thing Charrington was going for with those picks. And like I said, the rest of the day two picks, I do like Owen Kellington a lot. I, I really do think that he could turn into a very solid number three, four, five pitcher for you down the road in, in your starting rotation. Yeah. Nick, your thoughts on the rest of day two? Yeah, Kellington is going to be the the potential big fish from that. Um, you're talking about a projectable pitcher who, to what I read in a scouting report, has helium. So he's on the way up. You know, he may, he's been he took a lot of strides this year and really put himself on the map. Um, like Marty said, most of the seniors you're going to sign them and those numbers are actually going to be shocking. They're going to be very low. Um, I'm, I'm trying to find some numbers from last year's draft. So like for instance, last year in the fourth round, the White Sox signed a, a college player to $10,000 and the slot pool for that was over 500,000. So that's what I mean. Like Marty said, they don't really have any leverage here. You know, they're just looking for a chance and they're happy that they got drafted in the top 10 rounds and they're going to get an opportunity. So they're going to save some big-time money on them. But what I will say about those guys, and this is what I uh, was saying uh, beforehand, was I was expecting him to really target a lot of those mid-major guys. And, and we saw that. Dallas Baptist, uh, a couple players from San Diego State, 
um, players who put up gaudy numbers for those teams too, right? But because they're at mid-majors, they're looked at as maybe not as good, right? But once again, it goes along with that idea of just performing, positive, winning, always doing well, right? If they're hitting well, chances are like, especially in a sport like baseball, you can kind of find that talent elsewhere, um, you know, because at the end of the day, it's it's bat to ball. And some guys just naturally can do it better than others, whether they're playing at San Diego State or, you know, they're playing at USC. So looking at that, you know, the guy that really stands out to me out of all those um, is the pitcher from Cal that they drafted, Sean Sullivan. Oh, uh, he, he was ranked number 212 on MLB.com. Uh, so it was, it was nice to see them still – you know, get a guy who's kind of on the radar, a college pitcher, once again, performed really well for Cal this year, has an advanced three pitch mix, has a feel for four pitches. He doesn't have overly dominant stuff. You know, you're looking at a guy who's probably going to be at best, you know, a back end rotation, long guy out of the bullpen, but you need those guys, you know, and, once again, just the fact that he's on the radar, he's on these rankings, means that there probably is at least some upside to him. The other player I do want to touch on um, is our 10th round pick, Justin Mize, out of uh, Eastern Michigan. He's actually from Bethel Park High School. Uh, so once again, he's probably not going to get a huge bonus, but you know he's getting drafted by his hometown team chance to go and pitch in their organization and maybe make something. Uh, so definitely will be cool to watch him uh, and see what he can do in our system. Yeah. And one thing I really liked, they weren't necessarily the, the flashier players like we saw with those first three picks on day two. But if you read into them, they were really high baseball IQ guys and, you know, a, a few more really Just athletic guys. Good. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Um as we kind of talk about day three here, guys, I, I want to skip down to pick number 14. And, you know, we'll talk about those first three picks as well. But a really interesting um, deal here with Braylon Bishop. We saw a tweet earlier, uh, you know, talking about how he was going to be going to Arkansas eventually. And, uh, you know, I didn't get the update on that, actually, guys. Um, you know, he deleted the tweet and everything else. What's the update on Braylon Bishop? This was a player that was another steal. You know, into day three, the Pirates didn't think he was going to be on the board. But, you know, what's the, the signability of Bishop and kind of how we see this going? I mean, my thing is I know Braylon Bishop came out and said on Twitter he still plans to go to Arkansas. Like you said, Trey, that tweet has since been deleted. And, you know, this kind of goes back to the old Josh Bell adage when he still said he was going to go to Texas. Money talks, man. That the Pirates have the money to throw Braylon Bishop. And, you know, college and keeping that commitment and getting that degree sounds great. When a $1 or $2 million signing bonus shows up in your bank account, especially at 18 years old, that sounds a hell of a lot better than going to college does. So I, I'm not saying – I'm not necessarily saying I expect the Pirates sign Braylon Bishop. I think it's going to be an extremely difficult sign. That said, I wouldn't take him coming out and saying he's going to go to college as a uh, slam dunk or anything like that. I think once – once Charrington gets those big three squared away and he knows how much money he's working with, and I'm sure he's already got a general idea. Like we said with the Bubba Chandler thing, Nick, I'm sure they had that that handshake agreement probably in place there already before they drafted him. 
So they probably have a general idea of what they're going to spend on these guys. You know, they're, they're going to take what's left of that draft pool and throw it at Braylon Bishop, I'm sure. And we'll see what happens. I, I don't, I don't doubt that the pirates are going to do everything in their power and offer as much money as they possibly can to Braylon Bishop to try and get him to sign over him, keeping that commitment to Arkansas. Yeah. Um, everything you said is on point there. You know, you got to figure someone probably said something or maybe the pirates were talking legit. Like, Hey, like, you know, we got some money here that we can offer you, you know, and Mm -hmm. obviously going into day three, it's a very polarizing day because it's kind of like day three of the draft, right? No one's super excited about. So at that point you kind of figure the big money's gone and you're probably not going to get drafted, but team that you know like we've discussed the pirates being in a situation they are um who knows what kind of money that they still have like marty said they very well might have that money that he's looking for now if they do get him like you said it's a steal you're looking at the number 94 player on mlb.com number 88 player on baseball america um very similar kind of to lonnie white not as much power but in just in terms of super athletic can run, can play any of the spots in the outfield, has a good arm. The very intriguing thing about him is he is a lefty bat. So, you know, you kind of like that projection um, because he does – I'm not trying to say he doesn't have power projection. He definitely has some power projection, maybe just not as much as uh, some of the other guys they got in this draft. But you're looking at, you know, a a very good outfielder who by all accounts could be – if he signs could put himself in the discussion with, like you said, one of the, one of the steals of the draft. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, money talks, like you said, uh, I, college is great. College is a very fun time, but um, you know, mom and dad maybe said, Hey, why don't you take that tweet down? Uh, 1.2 million doesn't sound too bad, but it could be a, a steal if the pirates are able to sign him. And you know, it's, it's kind of frustrating to think about that. That's the idea round three, day three, uh, rather is, you know, if, if you get taken a day three, maybe you don't sign because it's kind of disrespectful. But the Pirates strategize this out to where that's still a very valuable pick for them and one that they hope to sign there. As we talk about the rest of day three, your overall thoughts, guys, and, you know, kind of your takeaways. Oh, sorry, Nick, what you got going on? Oh, you're good. So one thing I'm going to say, just looking at the, the MLB.com draft board, uh, pick 92, you know, trying to kind of find that in between 88 and 96, 92, 93, you're looking at about 630,000 in value. They can pay him up to 125,000 before it starts coming out of their bonus pool. So say like he's looking for, you know, a little more than that, you know, maybe that it doesn't even have to get over that million, but it's, I think it could be doable. You know, it just depends on this Davis contract and these other contracts, but just looking at where he maybe would have been projected to go, you know, even if he goes a little higher in the draft, you know, to us say at that first pick 72, you're looking at 870. So if you can get him around a million dollars, I think, you know, you probably, you probably get him. Yeah. yeah I, I think with him, ultimately it's, it's not necessarily going to come down to whether or not the pirates have the money to do it or the willingness to do it. I think more of it's going to fall on his end and, you know, does he want to essentially bet on himself, go to college, play his three years, and look to build himself into being a first-round pick three years from now? I, I think that might be more of what could hinder the Pirates here than anything else. 
Yeah. yeah, and that, that's a great point, Marty, because he's committed to Arkansas. He's from Arkansas, so he's, he's staying home. He's comfortable there. Arkansas has a, you know, a great program that's definitely on the way up. 20 or so programs in the country. You know, not, not, not to knock on my school, but this is not like Lonnie White coming to go play baseball at Penn State. You know, this <laughs> right. is a kid. Come on. Yeah, this right. is a kid committed to a good baseball program. That, that's what I mean. Like, he, he can go there and, like you said, he can definitely put himself into that first-round pick discussion. But – there's the butt, right? Like he could also put himself in that third, fourth, and fifth round pick discussion, yep. which coming out of college, you're about to lose a lot of money. So that, and that's what he's weighing right now. That's, that's what a lot of guys are weighing right now, but him especially. Um, Cause you know, for a guy like Bubba Chandler, he's going to get a really nice signing bonus uh, no matter what. And he mm-hmm. knows that, but for a guy like Braylon Bishop, it's ranked a little, little lower down the board. You know, a little more of a difficult decision that he's going to have to make. Yeah. I'm sure that's the conversation being had right now. And it's, it's gotta be an impossible one. You know, do you bet on yourself? Do you risk it? We'll, we'll see what he decides to do there. That pick uh, came here on day number three. You guys thoughts on the rest of day three and, and how this draft went in the final day. Um, you know, obviously as we get into these later rounds, the names become a, a little bit less familiar and, you don't get as excited about these picks, but who do you guys like from the rest of the final day of this draft? Um, and we'll wrap it up really talking about this draft as a whole. Yeah, I, I mean, the next, you know, intriguing pick is going to be another high school kid. Uh, they took him in the sixth round, Daniel Corona. He's listed as a shortstop, but the expectation is from the move third base. He's intriguing. He has nice size. He stands at six foot two. Um, weighs around 180 pounds, I believe. 190 pounds. I'm sorry, but he's a left-handed hitter. So once again, you like that power potential and um, that size at PNC Park. He, <coughs> excuse me. He's from Tennessee, and he is committed to play at Wake Forest. So you know. Not obviously in state, but pretty close by. Wake Forest is a very good uh, ACC program, but it also can be, you know, it's not the SEC we're talking about, right? It's not like Tennessee recruited them, so or Vanderbilt. Um, so there might be a little bit of hope there that, uh, you know, not so much like we were talking about Braylon Bishop, where he's going to, you know, one of the class or, um, but I'm not trying to take anything away from Wake Forest. The ACC just isn't as attractive as the SEC uh, to project yourself. Um, I mean, Wake Forest itself. So once again, but it's going to come down to the money. I would not be shocked if it's one of those, if they don't sign Bishop, they end up signing Corona. I think he has signability potential. He is just 18 years old. So he is actually one of the younger players in the draft too. What you're seeing is a lot of these East Coast guys, especially it seems like, ha- are kind of being undervalued, and it's likely because of the the, the pandemic last year and the lack of scouting. Um, you know, your Carolinas, your Virginias, and of course your Northeast. Um, you know, like we saw with the Pirates fourth, <clears throat> excuse me, with the Pirates fourth round pick Owen Kellington uh, coming out of actually Vermont and was committed to UConn. Sometimes these guys fly under the radar because scouts can't get to them 
as much or as often, you know, and this is a place that we saw Neil Huntington, actually, he, he often tried to take advantage of this. And we, we're starting to see some of that, you know, we see Max Kranich, uh, coming out of Scranton, we see Michael Burroughs dominating in the minor leagues who came out of Connecticut. Uh, Gage Hines, by all accounts, he came out of Montana. He was viewed as a potential, you know, top 30, top 20 pro- organizational prospect who could have a role on this team in the future. He had unfortunate, you know, emergency surgery that cost him his career. But my point is, these small market teams, these small market GMs, they, they look in these places to kind of find the people that other teams aren't finding. And, you know, it seems like this, this Daniel Corona pick uh, could, could also be another one of those um, getting a higher upside player who maybe would have been looked at and viewed as a little higher if he had more of a normal, you know, last couple of years of high school. Really high upside, and that was a lot of guys I noticed from day three, and this whole draft in general. Ben Sherrington just has such a strategy about him, and that's what's really getting Pirates fans excited. This this rebuild has been going on for, you know, the second he got there, and now we're finally starting to see, you know, okay, well, we have our outfield of the future. We now have our catcher of the future. We have our infield ready to go. This has been, um, you know, a draft that that had to happen and couldn't have gone better. If you look back at it, um, you know, that that might sound biased. That might be... Uh, you know, the thing that, that gets me in trouble here on Twitter or whatever else. But, um, you know, the Pirates had one of, if not the best drafts in this whole thing. And as we look back at it as a whole, um, you know, your guys' overall thoughts, how soon we see these players get to the big leagues, you know, how how much they're going to be able to contribute and, um, you know, what we're going to think when we look back at the 2021 MLB draft. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if you look at the guys in the draft, Henry Davis is the one you look at is getting here the quickest um, top college bat in the draft. You know, you, you expect those guys to climb quickly. I wouldn't be stunned if we saw him at triple a at some point in 2022, um, potentially the majors by 2023. I think he gets here the fastest. And, you know, after that, it's just, it's going to hinge on how quickly these guys develop. Um, I think Lonnie white's guy could probably move through the system pretty quickly. Um, Bubba Chandler probably could as well as well as Solomito, but, you know, young pitchers like that, you're always going to be a little more conservative than your hitters. But, yeah, I, I think Davis is a guy who you could – and especially if he does – depending on what happens with catcher, but say he does move off of catcher, I think you could potentially see him get here even quicker. Um, also, by 2023, 2024, I 100% expect him to have the designated hitter. Excuse me, which could be a factor as well for him. But, yeah, I think we'll see Davis probably move through the farm system pretty quickly. And from there, you know, these prep arms, these prep bats, you know, I think they can be fast risers for prep standards. But you got to keep in mind that fast risers for prep standards is three to four years. That said, we have we have constantly talked about, and this is one of the things I loved most about this draft, we have constantly talked about that 2023 window and starting to open up that window of contention again in 2023. I still believe that window of contention can and will open in 2023. With some of these additions they've made, that puts the Pirates in a position to extend that window of contention further down the road. You know, you open it up in 2023 with Reynolds, Hayes, Ronzi Contreras, Miguel Yahura, Quinn Priest, whoever it may be. 
you get two, three years into that and you start losing guys to free agency, well, you have Bubba Chandler, you have Lonnie White, you potentially have Braylon Bishop, you have Anthony Salamento, you, you, you have basically added these reinforcements to come in down the road. And I think that's one big thing this draft has helped to do is to when that new window of contention does open up, rather be 2023, 2024, whatever it is, this help extends that window of contention for the Pirates. Yeah, I mean, Marty, what you're saying is 100% correct. It's it's the Oakland A's. It's the Tampa Bay Rays. It's what makes them successful. Cleveland Indians, it's what they do. It's what cost Neil Huntington his job. And I was just talking to my buddy Miles, actually, who, you know, you're repping your Altoona hat there, um, about this morning. Like, Neil Huntington, by all accounts, for the first, like, eight years or so of his job – was doing all those things. He was always making sure that he had his sights on the future and people got annoyed with that. And that's kind of when we saw Neil get off that track. And, you know, I don't think we see Ben Charrington do that. And I think it's different because Ben Charrington is flooding the system with talent. Like he is literally getting the best talent he can get um, in trades and, and now in the draft. So you know, I'm really hoping that we're we're gonna see something like that. You know, the Tampa Bay Rays, where they they can trade a guy who is, you know, oh man, how are they? How's their lineup gonna be without him? And then just replace him without batting an eye. Heck, we see the St. Louis Cardinals do it to some extent, mm-hmm. and we also see what a good farm system can do for the St. Louis Cardinals when they need to go out and make a big trade too. And, you know, hopefully the Pirates will be in that situation come, like you said, 2020, probably more likely 2024, 2025, where you would be talking about maybe making a serious trade. But it's just like you said, whether it's them coming up when we lose people or just having them to use as pieces and trades. I mean, you can never have too much prospect talent and, Yes, it's going to take another year or two before we really start to see um, results. But the goal Ben Charrington is setting is for us to hopefully not have to do this kind of reset again for a long time. Depth is the name of the game. Depth is the most important thing, especially for a team like the Pirates. And that's how baseball is heading. The more depth you have the better you're going to be for a longer time. It's an exciting time to be a Pirates fan. Gentlemen, this draft was unbelievably exciting. The coverage was a lot of fun, and the trade deadline is still on the way, something that, you know, we might be even more excited about once we see all the return from that. You know, we're talking maybe 10 to 12 players even. That's on the higher end of it, but who knows what is possible, especially Adam Frazier maybe on his way to the uh, All-Star Game MVP. We'll see what we got there. We're going to obviously preview the trade deadline a good bit and any other trades that happened before that as well and always talking about the Pirates. You can find us there and go to rumbunder.com. Check out our articles right now. We're doing this on the radio side, but go read the articles as well. Learn about these players and what to get excited about as we wrap up this 2021 first-year player draft. Until next week, everybody, let's go Bucks. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, 
Did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.